I'm going to read, we're going to go over what we talked about last week, and then we're going to finish up the rest of it. Because really, guys, what I'm doing is kind of speaking to you out of my heart in these two sermons. I'm just kind of speaking to you out of my heart. I'm just kind of explaining to you why we do church the way we do it. And the way we do church here at the bridge causes us to get a lot of criticism. And causes a lot of people to say things about us that aren't true. And the reason they do is because they don't understand what's at the core of why we do church the way we do. So let's talk a little bit about culture. Now, now let me just, let me just say um, uh, uh, concerning culture before I read these definitions that these great men of God give. That it, it's a feeling you get when you walk in a church. I mean, I don't know how, many, how much y'all get to go to other churches or be in other churches, but, and it's not just churches, it's also businesses. Um, it's just a sense you get when you walk in. But, you know, you can go in a business. Uh, how many of you know, how many of you noticed Harris Teeter? You've been to, who's been to Harris Teeter? Okay, so do you, do, can you tell when you walked in there that's a different atmosphere, a different culture? Absolutely, absolutely. And, um, and so, so this is what I'm talking about. You go in some businesses, I'm not going to call any names, but it's a huge hardware store. <laughs> I didn't say, I don't know if any of you work there or not, because if you come up and go, you were talking about, I'm going to go, no, I was talking about another hardware store. Um, <clears throat> so a huge hardware store in town that you go in, and if you're not a contractor, it seems to me a lot of times they're not really interested did I say that out loud? I go, because see, I go in there and I go, I need a screw. I need just a screw about that big and about that long. And they're like, he's going to buy one screw in here. He's going to buy one nail. Because that's the kind of guy I am. And you, you really, if I get tools in my hands, you want to run. Because you could get hurt. But I think how you treat that guy that wants that one nail, that one bolt, that one little hammer, I think how you treat that guy will determine if your business is booming or not. I think if you're always looking at the big uh, guy who's going to spend a lot of money and he's the one you focus on, he's the one you're going to be nice to, and you don't treat the little guy right, I think you're going to pay for that. Do y'all? So the culture of the bridge is no matter who walks in the door, we're going to love you. We're going to love you. And we're going to welcome you. If you're not here to disrupt and you're not here to cause problems and you're not here to go against the grain and, and you're not here to fight the vision, we're going to love you, we're going to welcome you, and we're going to take you in and we're going to help you every way we can. Uh, it doesn't matter. But you don't get that feeling in every church you go into. I know that's true because I get to go into churches and sometimes when I go in, the people don't know I'm the guest speaker so nobody says anything to me. I was in a situation recently where I walked in and I was the guest speaker and not one word, not one person said one word to me when I walked in. I walked all the way to the front. A couple of people recognized me that I'd known, came to me and said a couple words to me, put my stuff on the front and sat down. Not one person said hello to me. So what does that tell you about how they treat newcomers, how they treat people they don't know? Y'all heard me tell this before, but the preacher comes up, you know, and goes, hey, Farrell, man, thank you so much for coming. And then everybody wants to come up there and go, praise the Lord, we're so glad you're here. And I go, no, get back now. You coming up here with that now? 
Anybody with me out there on this? Now, you can't, you can't say um, when you first come here, you can't say the church wasn't friendly to me. I mean, we don't mind you saying that. But matter of fact, uh, we've had some negative reports on the friendliness of our church, and we'll get up here and read it from the, from the stage because we want you to know what kind of culture we want here. And, you know, just because the church says they're friendly doesn't mean they're really friendly. A lot of times if you ask a church if they're friendly, they'll say, oh, yeah, yeah, you know what they mean, don't you? They're friendly to what? Each other. But they're not friendly to newcomers. So we can go toward that very easily. Very easily. As a matter of fact, I think we've got some work to do on that, actually. we got to get better at that, keeping our head on swivel, you know, and we're going to say hello to Grandma and hello to Aunt Lucille and hello to our next-door neighbor and hello to our people we love and we know. And we're, but we got to keep our head on swivel and recognize and look around and see if there's somebody we see who we don't know. We have guests here today. We have guests with us in this service. So when you see somebody you don't know, um, here's my whole point. If you come to our church and you complain that nobody was friendly to me, and so we go, I apologize, I apologize, we're going to get better at that, thank you for telling us, then you stay in our church, then you got to be what you criticized us for. Did y'all get that? See, you can't say y'all weren't friendly to me, and then you become a part of our church, and you're not friendly either. Okay? So that's what we're talking about, culture. Let's look at Dr. Sam Chan. Now, this one's not on the, this one's not on the uh, notes, guys. So, so this is one I just added uh, for this message today. Here's what Dr. Sam Chan says about culture, church culture. And this is from his book, Cracking Your Church's Culture Code. He says, culture, the culture of a church, and really a business too, not vision, because we hear about vision. What's the vision? What's the vision? Well, you know what? You can have vision till you're blue in the face and talk vision till you're blue in the face. But if the culture of the church won't allow the vision to happen, then it doesn't matter how much you cast vision, does it? Here's what Sam Chan says. Culture, not vision or strategy. Culture, not vision or strategy, is the most powerful factor in any organization. So if we don't get our culture right, you can want to grow all you want to, but we'll never grow. You can want to reach the lost. I mean, to, you, you just got a passion, but you're never going to reach the lost unless the culture of this church says the lost are welcome here. Are the lost welcome here? We all were lost. There are lost people sitting here right now. They don't even know what that term means. What do you mean I'm lost? I'm not lost. I took a GPS thing I got right here today. I'm not, I know exactly where I'm at. Um, so they don't even understand the spiritual meaning of that word. So culture, not vision or strategy, is the most powerful factor in any organization. Ultimately, the culture of an organization, particularly in churches and nonprofit organizations, but also in any organization, listen to this, here's what culture does, shapes individual morale of a church, it shapes the teamwork of a church. Teamwork is important. Teamwork makes the dream work. Teamwork makes the dream work. I wish I'd said that, but actually John Maxwell said that. 
So culture shapes individual morale of a church. It shapes teamwork in a church. It shapes the effectiveness of that church. And it shapes the outcomes or the fruit of that church or organization. Let's look at another quote by Dr. Sam Chan. Culture is the fertile soil for growing creativity and passion for excellence. How many of y'all think since this is God's deal, we ought to do it with excellence? And we ought to do it creatively. Because, you know, there might be some stuff you see up here on the stage and you go, I don't really need that. I'm going to come to church here anyway. We don't do that so much for those of you who would come to church here anyway. We do creative stuff up here because we want people who are seeking Jesus, who think church is boring. I mean, that's what we usually say. Uh, God's boring. The Bible's boring. Church is boring. Come back next Sunday. Isn't that true? I mean, there are so many churches today and they don't know they're saying that, but all you got to do is go to know they're saying that. God's boring, church is boring, the Bible's boring, come back next Sunday. And so we don't want to be that church. So we do stuff up here sometimes that y'all are out there going, can you do that in church? We just did. Okay? So we want a passion for excellence, and we want a passion for creativity, we want our creativity... And the rocket fuel culture is the rocket fuel for reaching new heights. And there's that word again, in what? Excellence and accomplishments. And really another word for accomplishments there is fruit because it's all about the fruit. Now let's go through the notes we talked about last week real quickly. The bridge will never drift toward a healthy culture, okay? A healthy culture, and you got your notes there, and, the, and uh, as far as we went last week, the blanks are filled in. They're already filled in for this week. So <clears throat> a healthy culture is always created by planning and strategizing. Uh, in other words, you got to paddle toward a health culture, a healthy culture, because the current is toward an unhealthy culture. Because, because here's a healthy culture. The healthy culture of a church is others-centered. The un, uh, unhealthy church is me-centered, and not just me-centered, but me and my little group, or me and my little family, or me and my little clique. And we don't want cliques in this church. Now, you can have cliques that are healthy cliques. They're called life groups. But see, they have a, they have a purpose, a stated purpose, and that's why we have to, we state that purpose, because we don't want them to become unhealthy. Clicks can become unhealthy. Y'all work a job. Some of y'all work jobs where there are clicks on the job. And if you're not in a certain group in that job, you're, you're not seen or valued the way the people who are in that little clique are valued. Okay? And so that's unhealthy. That's unhealthy in, in any organization, but it happens in the church too. A healthy church culture never happens by coincidence or accident. Nothing determines or values the culture of our church. Uh, nothing determines or shapes the culture of our church more than our values because what we value determines what we do and how we do it. What we believe to be most important will determine how we behave, okay? So you go back 2,000 years with me and we just imagine how Jesus found one culture, one kind of culture when he went into a synagogue 
with legalistic Pharisees, and he found a different kind of culture when he went into the home of Matthew, who had just decided he was going to follow Jesus. And so he goes into Matthew's house, and there's this big party going on because they just came to know Jesus, and uh, they just came to become his followers, so they haven't soured yet. That's what happens in a lot of churches. People come to Christ. People are, are born again. They come to Christ in a church. And if they're around some Christians long enough, they'll get critical and sour. And you'll think they were baptized in vinegar rather than water. Am I preaching up here? Does anybody know what I'm talking about? You've been in those churches? We don't want to be that kind of church. We don't want to do church that way. So when Jesus went in the synagogue... He found legalism, and when he went uh, uh, to Matthew's house, who was a new Christian and hadn't learned all the rules that we've made up in church, amen, for Christians, he found a whole different uh, atmosphere. Let me describe it. In a synagogue culture, you would find uh, this culture. You don't look like us. You, don't, you weren't born like us. You're really not welcome here, so what are you doing here? I saw you working on the Sabbath. You don't know our secret handshake. You don't even know all our rules, much less obey them, so why are you here? That's what you would get in a synagogue, pharisaical synagogue, okay? But you contrast that with Jesus hanging out with sinners. Jesus hanging out with tax collectors. Listen to me. Jesus did not hang out with the religious people. Jesus hung out with the sinners and the tax collectors. Now, here's one of the things that's a major, major problem for us. The longer we know Jesus, the less we know lost people. Somebody said, you can't, you can't. I I had a pastor tell me this recently, sort of sideways. Doesn't worry about what that means. But told me that we don't let people witness after they first become a Christian because they're not ready yet. They have to get our permission before they can go out and witness. Are you kidding me? There's nobody more effective in winning a lost person than somebody who just found Jesus. I mean, it's like the guy who just had his eyes open. You know, he was blind. Jesus touched him. He could see. And all the religious people came up and go, by what power was this done? And who is he? And why did that happen? And where is this in our theological doctrine? And blah, blah, blah. And the guy said, all I know is I was blind. Now I can see. He was Southern, by the way. <laughs> he said, oh, I don't know all that. I don't know all that. All I know is I was blind and now I see. The problem is the longer you're a Christian, the less unbelievers you know. So we've got to be intentional about being around unbelievers and making sure we have connections and relationships with them. And the people said, amen, amen. So, you know, when he got to Matthew's house, Matthew said, man, come on in, come on in. It's an open meeting. We're happy to have you. Now, we read this last week. We're not going to read it again this week. But in Luke 15, 1 and 2, the Bible talks about how Jesus began to teach and the sinners drew near to him and the religious people stood off a ways and crossed their arms and murmured against him. 
So if you look behind the scenes in both of these examples, one culture is driven by rules and legalism. The other culture is driven by relationships and love, two totally different cultures. Now let's read some scripture. Let's go to Matthew. We read this last week, but let me go through it quickly. I keep looking at my watch, and it's 10 past 8. I'm loving it. Now... It happened as Jesus sat at the table in the house that behold, many tax collectors and sinners, and tax collectors were the worst kind of sinners. Y'all remember I told you about that last week because they were cheating the people. Many tax collectors and sinners came and sat down with, that's a capital H. So who's it talking about? And his disciples. Next slide. And when the Pharisees saw it, when the church people, The religious people saw it. They said to his disciples, not to Jesus, but gossipy, behind his back, murmuring, why does your teacher eat with tax collectors and sinners? Next slide. When Jesus heard it, Jesus goes, I'm right here. When Jesus heard that, he said to them, those who are well have no need of a physician, but those who are. We're a hospital here. You say, Pastor, you have said that till it's running out of my ears. Good. Because the day this church ceases to be a hospital is the day I cease to be the pastor of it. Our church is a hospital. We're all broken. We're all broken. You say, no, 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 you're healed, you're healed. No, I'm getting healed. I'm saved. I know Jesus. But I got a lot of stuff in my life that don't match up with the Word of God. And you guys are helping me be a better person. And I'm here to help you be a better person. All we are is a whole bunch of broken people here trying to help everybody be all we can be for the Lord Jesus Christ. Amen, amen, amen. So the next one is what Jesus valued determined how he lived. Same with the Pharisees. What Jesus valued shaped the culture around him. That's why sinners drew near to him. That's why tax collectors drew near to him. That's why the prostitutes didn't mind talking to Jesus because Jesus wasn't judgmental. Jesus was full of love. Now when he told them the gospel and they accepted him, he said, go and sin no more. See, when you love everybody, other people will talk about you because you accept everybody and you love everybody. That's how they talked about Jesus. Well, we don't love everybody in the sense of you're okay and I'm okay and we're all okay and we're all God's children and we're all going to heaven. No, no, no. You've got to come to Jesus and have faith in the cross and the resurrection and receive him as your personal Savior. And if you haven't done that, you're lost. But I'm not going to mistreat you. Until you do that, because I used to be right where you are. So I'm going to love you like I'm glad somebody somewhere loved me. So I would come to Jesus. So that's our culture. Jesus, people, they were drawn to him. Threw the woman at his feet, caught in adultery. Buddy, the church people were ready to stone her to death. They couldn't wait. They was like, ooh. Stone her. If you get a good feeling out of criticizing somebody because they don't have it all together, you're like a Pharisee. And they couldn't wait to stone her. Jesus said, which one of you has no sin? You, you start. You be the first one to cast your stone. 
And then there used to be this old cartoon character on TV that when he got mad, he'd go, ragging, snagging, ragging, ragging, snagging. Y'all remember that cartoon? I'm old. And that's what all those Pharisees did. They just threw the stones down on the ground and walked off. Jesus said, woman, where are your accusers? He said, neither do I condemn thee. Go and sin no more. Don't do it anymore, but I love you. That's who we are here. You can go in these, um, you know, cultures. We we talked about Harris Teeter. How about Chick-fil-A? Is Chick-fil-A, isn't that a different culture? When you go in Chick-fil-A? You know why why we pay more for the coffee in Starbucks when you can stop at any convenience store and get a cup for about 70 cents? We go to Starbucks and pay because we like the culture. How many of y'all know there's a different culture at Starbucks than there is at the convenience store? How many of you know there's a different culture in Chick-fil-A than there is just about any other fast food restaurant that you go into? There's a different culture. You're treated differently. Very generous spirit there. Look at uh, um, the next statement uh, that you're going to want to fill in in the church world. Um, what we value determines how and what we do. Okay, what we value. That's the, sli- that's the blank you need to fill in. What we value determines uh, how and what we do. For example, if you value, if a church values survival, if a church values survival, you know what they're going to focus on? I keep looking at my watch. Keeping people happy. They're going to focus on keeping people happy because they're not interested in thriving. They're interested in surviving. Okay? Um, if, we, if we value tradition as a church, then we're going to focus more on the past than on the future. How many of y'all appreciate your past? I pre- how many of you appreciate your heritage, your Christian heritage? Uh, do you, aren't you thankful for that? I thank God for that. I, the, you know what? We're walking a path other people before us cleared out. I mean, the reason I'm able to do ministry at the level we do it right here at the bridge is because people were before me. People came before me. Great preachers, great leaders, great Christians came before me. But I can't value that so much that I don't have a vision because guess what? Those people had a vision and that's why I'm here today because those people who were behind me had a vision for the future. And I'm not against all traditions. I love some traditions. I love them. But we cannot let our traditions uh, become as important to us as what the Word of God says. And in a lot of churches that has happened. I mean, people have taken methods and raised methods to the level of Scripture. Here's my point. We can't get married to methods, boys and girls. Nobody can. Did anybody come here on a horse and buggy today? So you're saying you upgraded from that to a car? Isn't it amazing how we're willing to change in every other organization or every other societal thing? But it's so hard to change in the church. So hard. And you know what? The devil loves it. Because he knows if he can get a church to a place where it won't change, then he knows that church is going to go down the tubes. It's going to go down the tubes. How many of of you agree with me that we can change methods all day long without changing the message? Amen, amen? 
So if you value tradition, you're going to be focused on the past more than the future. If you value evangelism, you're going to have a culture that is outward focused, which is what we want to be. Not only is it focused on the needs and the wants of the people who come, but because it loves evangelism and evangelism is a part of the culture and you value evangelism, then you're going to be an outreach church. And we have churches coming to us all the time. These pastors I was with yesterday said, man, I want to talk to your outreach guy. I want to talk to your outreach guy. We've got to learn to get off the campus, off the campus, because one of the things we've learned is God will get it to you if he can get it through you. And when God sees that you're not going to hoard everything he blesses you with and you're going to give it away to the community and you're going to bless the community, God pours into your church. But when you say it's all about us and we're the only ones preaching the truth and, you know, Farrell Hardison's a heretic down there and, and we're going to sit here and just criticize every other church that don't do church like we do and every other church that, that, that don't teach exactly the things we do and we're just going to sit here and criticize and we think somehow that's going to help us. That ain't going to help you. Look at the churches that do that. What are they doing? Thriving? No. If a church believes in the cross, the bloody cross of Jesus, and the resurrection from the grave, and they believe the Bible is truth, they're our brothers and sisters. I don't care what their label is. So if we value relevance, revelant, relevance, not relevance, if we, value, if we value relevance, then here's what we're going to do. We're going to plan our preaching and our teaching to ensure that we are answering the questions that society around us is asking. I love what Mark Driscoll said about that. Mark Driscoll said, we don't have to prove Jesus is relevant as a church. All we got to do is show everybody how relevant he is. Jesus is relevant to our needs the reason a lot of people don't go to churches because they've been to churches that when the guy got through preaching, they didn't know what he was talking about. That's one of the reasons we develop the environments we develop. That's the reason our church looks in the foyer the way it looks because we want to look relevant. When, we, when you walk into our church, we, want, we don't want you to walk into a museum. We want you to walk into a place that looks like a place I can sit down with a friend and have a conversation and a cup of coffee. Um, look at the next thing. If you show me a strong, healthy church culture, I will show you a group of people centered around clearly described set of values. If you show me a church or organizational structure that is struggling, that does not know its identity, I'll show you a church or organization that does not have a clearly articulated, clearly communicated set of values because your culture says more about your values than your words do. Uh, if you want a different, healthier culture for your church, then you've got to boldly embrace a different, healthier set of values for your church. Because if a church has become ineffective while the world has changed around it, because the church refused to change, if the world's changing around the church, but the church refuses to change, it's going to have to become more effective. And the only way it can become more effective is we have to change what we value. Values do change. Our values determine how we behave. Values determine what we do and how we do it. So let's look very quickly on the other side of your paper. How do we allow our values to change and shape our culture? How do we allow that to happen? Number one, and we do this all the time as a staff, and I want to get the whole church more involved in this, we evaluate honestly what our actions are saying. 
what our actions are saying, what our actions are communicating about what we value. What, what does our hospitality ministry say about what we value? I think I, our hospitality team is off the hook here. They're awesome. I mean, we've had churches who are, amen, amen, give it up for hospitality. Absolutely. So, so what does our hospitality ministry say? What do, when you go to our children's ministry, what does that communicate? When you walk out here to our student ministry, what does that communicate? What are our actions communicating? Because every organization values something. Not all values are intentional, but they value something. Not all values are spoken, but every organization values something. Not all values are written down or described or articulated, but all organizations value something. Your actions may be saying we value the status quo. We don't want to change anything. Your actions may say we value control. The leadership has control of everything. You can't move until you talk to Pastor Farrell and his executive team. You can't do anything until you talk to him. Is that the culture here? No, sir. We'll work you like a rented mule. We don't even know your name yet. <laughs> and the people who've been coming a while said, <laughs> we value our building. Don't run. Don't run in the building. Don't bring drinks in the building. Because we love our building. Don't touch the walls. Man, I love little handprints on the walls. Don't y'all? Kids, buddy, they see a clean spot, they're like. <laughs> We're going to have, you know why we bought this carpet we got? Have y'all noticed our carpet? What? Our carpet is in blocks. So you all can spill stuff and we just take one block up and put a new block down. Now don't go crazy. And so we said we got to figure out a way because our culture here is we don't worship the building. Now, we want, to be, we want to be honoring of our building and we want everybody to know we believe this is a sacred place and the altar is a sacred place and, and our church is set. But we're not worshiping. I've gone to churches that worship the building. We don't worship the building. Touch the walls if you want. Matter of fact, when you are leaving today, just touch the walls and stuff. Hopefully your actions are saying we value generosity. Hopefully our actions are saying we value missions, we value sinners, we value outreach and evangelism, we value diversity, we value children, we value students, acceptance, we value acceptance, we value sense of belonging and discipleship. We have to look constantly at what our actions are saying about what we value. And I'll tell you one of the best ways to find out um, about your church is have secret visitors come. We've done that. We got a family from Raleigh to come and visit our church for a month. We paid their travel, paid their meals, and got them to come visit our church for a whole month. Y'all didn't even know. And then they filled out a form and told us how they got treated and told us about spots that were uh, dark at night and needed to be lighted up. Because, see, the longer you're in an environment, the more you don't see stuff. So you need to bring fresh eyes. Amen, amen? Matter of fact, I think, if I'm not wrong, we've got a link on our website that if you guys find something in the church that needs to be fixed, you go on there and fill it in and go, you know, something, there's a piece of aluminum hanging and flopping in the wind, been there for two months, somebody needs to tack that up. Amen? 
Y'all with me on that? Here's what it says when you understand the importance of valuing the environment of, your, of the church, the environment of your business, is you're saying we know what we're doing. You're saying we're on top of things. We're saying we don't just care about what we think about our church. We care about what you, who've never been here before, think about our church. You go into the big banks. It's hard to find a trash can. Everything is in place. Everything is clean. Because they know that you're not going to trust your money in a bank where you walk in, there's trash on the floor, and the floor looks like it hasn't been swept in two or three weeks. You're like, oh, yeah, that's where I want to put my money. Y'all with me? Am I making sense up here? So we got to value evangelism, value excellence, value the next generation. We can't, say we, don't, we can't say we value the next generation and then we turn around and don't put any money in children's ministry and don't put any money in student ministry. If we value the next generation, we've got to put money in Amplify. Amplify is reaching that young adult. We've got to put some money in there and help them do their work better. We've got to put some money in uh, student ministry. We've got to put, put some money in children's ministry. Okay, um, Number two, and I've got to just click these off because my time's gone. Identify the values God has put within you and your leadership team. So that means you've got to pray. You've got to ask yourself, what do I passionately love? See, I have to ask myself that. I, what do I passionately love? We have to ask ourselves that as a staff. What do we passionately love? What makes our heart leap with excitement and joy? What breaks our heart? What makes us righteously angry? And, and the things that excite us and make us happy, the things that make us angry, you know what that tells us? It tells us what our values are. All right, number three, number three, make your values list short. Make it short, brief, and clear. Now, if you go to our website and look up our core values, you're going to find this. Here, here are the core values of the bridge. Bold faith. Don't be ashamed. When you leave here, be just as bold out there as you are here. Loving God. I mean, if you don't love God, we that's... You start right there, don't you? Biblical authority. We believe the Bible in this church. We believe it all the way from, all the way through the book of Concordance. We believe the whole Bible. Cultural relevance. We want our church to be relevant. We don't want our church to be a church people come in and go, well, I guess that was a good sermon, but I got to tell you something. I, I don't know how that applies to my life. We want what we say here and what we do here to apply to your life out there. Another thing is authentic relationships. That's why we have life groups. And then, we, and then we value life change. Because if lives aren't being changed, I mean, we're, we might, and I, this is no bad reflection on the, on the um, Civitans Club or the Ruritans Club. I think those are fine organizations, but we're not into just being good in the community. We want you to come to Jesus and change your life, not just for now, but eternity. We're in the eternity business here. And then, um, uh, did I give you number four? When you have determined your values, then define each one of them in short life-giving statements. And we've done that here at the bridge. You can go on the website and see it. Number five, shape your culture and build your leadership teams around your values. We have to lead toward our values as if our future depends on it because it does. Now, here's the problem. Vision leaks and values drift over time. 
So people forget why we're here. So it is my job as the pastor to bring us all back into the uh, um, uh, basics, just like uh, I've heard this story about Vince Lombardi. I don't know if it's true, but I've heard it, uh, that after the Green Bay Packers lost a huge game, he walked them back in on Monday morning and held up a football and said, this is a football. He started with the what? Basics, and so sometimes we forget why the church exists. So it is the responsibility of the pastor and the leadership and the staff to get up here and say to you, here's why we're here. That's why you hear me say over and over again, we're a hospital, we're a hospital, we're a hospital, because it is our nature to make this church a Christian club. This is not a hotel for Christians. This is not a clubhouse for Christians. This is a hospital for broken people. And when we forget that, our values get all messed up. Here's what I love about a church that has its culture right. When as an organization you focus on creating a healthy culture, people will be attracted to a church like that. Lost people. And unhealthy people won't be able to bear it. When you've got a healthy culture, unhealthy people, emotionally unhealthy people, they can't stay. Because, see, a healthy culture is is other-centered. A unhealthy culture is me-centered. And those unhealthy people will wither and die from a healthy organization because they cannot find traction to feed their self-centeredness. Did y'all hear what I just said? Nobody will gossip with them because our culture is we don't gossip. When unhealthy people try to stir dissension in a church or be critical, healthy people will look at them and go, what's wrong with you? I'm not going to participate in that kind of talk. If you've got a problem with pastor, you need to go see pastor. If you've got a problem with this, you need to go talk to the person who's over that. Quit talking to me about it out here in the hallways of the church. That's not our culture here. See how healthy people talk? If an organization wants to attract healthy people, then focus on building a healthy culture. If you have an unhealthy culture, you will attract unhealthy people and it will only make matters worse. And the people said, 